last few uh, weeks, we've been talking about that. We've been using, using our father of the faith. We've been using Abraham as sort of a, a platform to, to, to launch from. And the Lord shows up in his life as, in the same way that he shows up in your life at some point, And he says, I want you to make the familiar, I want you to make the familiar your enemy. He says, Abraham, I want you to leave your fathers. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your peeps, your people, and I want you to leave your father's house. And I, and I want you to go where I show you. And so, that, and so the journey began. Every single person here has to deal with that summon of God because essentially it's the same. You're going to follow the Lord. One thing you can, be, you can be clear about, he will lead you where you have never been. Tap your neighbor one more time. This is preaching session. Be, tell him, be willing to go where you've never been. Be willing to go where you've never been. That's one of the reasons why he said you got to have a child. You, gotta have, you have to have a childlike heart. You have to have a childlike attitude. You got to be ready for the adventure. Lord, have mercy. And he's not kidding. I, I wanted you to, um, I, on this journey we're, we're together, I, I want them to pass out to your brochure because I want you to keep this and, and look at it. I don't want you to do anything about it. There's a, there's a card in it. Don't do anything about the card. But I want you to look over it and just have it in your hands because this, this two-year initiative, this two-year journey together of discipleship and generosity is going to produce ministry two generations, be, two generations beyond ourselves. It's going to impact your life and my life certainly immediately, but it, it will also impact generations to come. And when the Lord gave us direction, we're not to move, we're not to go to another location. This is our location and that we would build from here. Man, it was amazing because I, I was running ahead. Anybody ever run ahead of God? I was. Sorry to say, here I'm the leader, but I was running ahead. I was ready. I had everything lined up. And the Lord just stopped me. Thank God he stopped me. And he said, uh, if you're gonna, this is kind of interesting. If you're going to follow me, you stay. Wow. I'm so glad we did. And I have absolutely zero regrets about following Jesus' command to stay where we are. And the, some of you were just so kind. You know, you were going to follow, follow the bishop. You're gonna, whatever, you know, where you go, I go. You was like Naomi, you know. Ruth, and uh, and when I when I announced that we were go, we we're going to stay, we're not going to sell. Then some of you came out the closet. To my, oh, thank you, Jesus! Oh, thank God! And I'm thinking, well, where were you when I was? <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't want to voice any dissent. I'm going to tell you something. Those of you who've been praying, God knows how to answer your prayer, and I hear you, and I'm grateful for it. I want you to hear from some other people that God has, he's got on this journey with us. Sometimes you don't always know whom the Lord has paired you with. Sometimes you don't know. Sometime I used to say, you're sitting next to a famous person in the kingdom of God. Actually, you really are sitting next to somebody very famous in God's kingdom. But sometimes you just don't know that. I want you to hear from a couple that's a part of our house. And I want you to hear about 
their, their, their journey. A little brief thing about it. Would you do that? Give your attention to the screen and um, watch this. faithfully yet and we were definitely not giving faithfully yet um, but that changed in 2014 we went to our first encounter um, and that's where it really clicked for us that's where God really touched us and it's where for the first time we really listened to God um, and we decided to go all in we decided to give him more of us um, and, and, and that meant in every way, so we began giving. Now before, if we gave $5, $10 to the church, we felt like we did what we were supposed to do. Um, but after that encounter, we decided to listen to what the Word says. We decided to begin tithing. Um, immediately, uh, I mean within two weeks, God showed that he was faithful also and he rewarded our faithfulness i received a promotion at my job that i was not qualified for um, that i did not see coming in any way shape or form and um, that promotion has actually put me on the path that i'm on today um, where i probably would have never been there uh, had it not happened so um, that that was the beginning of a of a great journey um, God showed us right away. So over the course of the next couple of years, great things were happening to us. Um, I proposed and we decided to get married. I proposed, she said yes. <laughs> and so we uh, decided to get married. And uh, leading up into our marriage, there were a lot of attacks. There was a lot of opportunities um, that we could have taken to gratify ourselves to get some instant gratification and whatnot but uh, we were able to fight through those things we were able to get through those things and we were able to get married uh, without having to take a loan out we our, our wedding was paid off um, and we were able to go on a paid off honeymoon which was huge for us we, we were able to have the wedding and the honeymoon that we truly wanted and when we got back from that honeymoon we began to pray really hard for uh, custody of our son Melo. We did not have any type of custody um, and so we began to pray for partial custody at first until Nisa said that we need to dream bigger and we need to pray for full custody so I listened and we paid for full custody. Um, I never thought it would happen. I thought it was impossible to happen. But here we are today. God once again proved that when we are faithful, He will too be faithful. Um, we dedicated money to give to First Fruits, asking God for this favor. We continue to give weekly and write on our, our, our uh, tithe and offering cards that this was something that we wanted. It was something that was major to us. And 
and God trusted us with that responsibility. And and when the time was right, he he gave us custody of Mella, and it's been amazing ever since. Uh, can't imagine life any other way. Uh, it, every day when we look at him, we we can be reminded that God is faithful, and we thank him every day for it. And God has done so much for us. Um, he really has in, in jobs and, and in everything. I was in Annie for two years, and then um, I was just kind of to a point where I was tired of it, and I just felt like I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, and so I know that Lady Carolyn, she's just like, who wants to do $100 for the rest of the year for blessings, you know? And so I just texted him, and I was just like, hey, you want to do it? Um, but I just ended up doing it anyways. And I was just really doing it to, I was believing that God was going to open a door for me with a job. Um, and so I got into, I got a job um, as a level one admin. And then two months later, um, I was just praying for it, really hoping that I could, you know, that God was going to just work for me. And I ended up becoming a level two admin two months later. And then I was just like, all right, God, like, I really need you to help me through this one, um, really get a permanent position. And so two months later, um, I became an admin three. And so that's what I've been doing. Um, and I truly believe it was just because I was just like, all right, God, you know, you are doing this for us and we're going to do something so minor, you know, give a hundred dollars. You know, it's, it's big to us, but it's nothing to God. He just wants to see if we're going to do it. And that's exactly what we did. We just truly prayed over you know, we were writing on papers, just asking God for whatever it was, and we prayed over it, believing that he would do it, and he did it. And even now, I'm able to move up to another position. Um, for right now, I am filling in as an assistant to the chair, and um, I just truly believe that God is answering our prayers, and he truly cares about us, and he truly wants the best for us, and it's all in the right timing. Um, just us doing little by giving so little, you know, he'll do just wonders. The beginning of 2019 we have been wanting a house for a long time but for different reasons we weren't yet able to get it um by the beginning of 2019 our credit had gotten to a point to where we could get it and we had a little bit of money saved up that we thought would be enough but as we found out when we got into the process um you need a lot of cash and a lot of things saved up to be able to get that house and so uh, we started out in the process and we were believing for that house and it was looking very bad at first we had um, so much money that had to we had to come up with in in order to get this house and uh, it didn't look like we were going to be able to get it but we knew what God had promised us we we knew that we had been faithful and, and giving all these years and so we believed that he was going to make something happen and sure enough uh, at the last minute when just when we needed the money through uh, a, a gift and through a check in the mail that we did not expect whatsoever um, God made sure that we had not only the money necessary to close on the house but to get the, the furniture and the appliances we needed for the house and to still have money left over and not be going into our house broke so 
God has always done for us what we couldn't do ourselves. Wow. So they're downstairs right now with our children because that's part of where they serve. It's just amazing um, and, and many more stories that you don't know about that God actually, for real, answered prayer. It, it really is amazing. It's amazing. I want to, uh, I want to add an, another part to our journey. You, you know, we, we know we got to follow. Amen. But also, there's something that happens when you follow. And uh, I, I want you to check this out. Uh, I, I'm a movie buff. Anybody here beside me a movie buff? I'm, okay, like movies? Okay. I mean, it's really great because I grew up in a, in a time when if you watch movies, it was sinful. In fact, you, wouldn't, you don't go to the movie house. Oh, no, Lord. You don't know what to know. But I snuck anyway. Amen. Um, so check, check the, see if you, see if you, see if you recognize this movie, this, this particular scene. Mr. Cruz, are you lost, sir? What I got to do to play? Mr. Cruz, you do not want to know the answer to that question. Now, as I was saying, as a team, we shot 56% from the line. From now on, before you leave my gym, you must pay an exit price of 50 made free throws before you can go. That's everybody. That's a lot of free throws. Okay, Mr. Cruz. Before you can play on this team, you owe me 2,500 push-ups and 1,000 suicides. Damn. Damn. Oh, and they must be completed by Friday. Today's flavor, offense. Now we're talking. Now I have a sister. Her name is Linda. Linda is smart. She's political. Well, actually, she's radical. Linda's got a big afro. Linda is our pick and roll offense. Before we get into that, let's warm up. Give me a layup line. Let's go. Battle. I got him, I got him right here, right here. I'm open. I'm open. Get him. I'm out. I'm Come on. Let's get it. They call out them picks. Yeah, yeah. All right. Give up, Mr. Cruz. Go home. You know your task is impossible before Friday, right? Move! Work it, work it! Run it back! Clyde. Mr. Cruz. I'm impressed with what you've done. But you came up short. You owe me 80 suicides and 500 push-ups. Please leave my gym. I'll do push-ups for him. 
You said we're a team. One person struggles and we all struggle. One player triumphs, we all triumph, right? I'll do some. I'll run suicides too. satisfy his righteous indignation. That is, paying for the stuff we did against him and against each other. Grace will humble you. I should put it this way. When you humble you, you get grace. When I say humble, I mean it admits I have totally blown it. There is nothing I can do to complete this. There's nothing good about me that will merit God's favor, God's forgiveness, 
God's mercy. And to make it even to make it even more profound, God knew you couldn't do it, but somebody like you had to do it. So God becomes like you to do it for himself so you could profit. It's amazing. That's why they wrote the song. Amazing. Read that song. Amazing. It's amazing because it's God's ability beyond outside of our ability. Tap your neighbor and say, you need, you need that. You need grace. <laughs> and one reason why we need grace, one reason, why, one reason why we need grace because God is righteous and God is holy and God is judge and God is just and he will have punishment for every evil, wicked thing that has ever been done. Because of his incredible love for you and me, he makes a decision. He provides for us the punishment on himself. He takes what we should have borne. It's like telling a lie on your brother. You did it, but you told a lie so your brother got the whooping. God doesn't, he doesn't deal with lies. He knows what lies are of the truth, he decides, I'm taking your place. Now, God voluntarily does that for you and me without our permission, but we don't get the benefit unless we go all in. You see, when the Lord says, come follow me, same thing he said to Abraham, that he meant that, follow you can't follow him without faith. We talked about that last week. You got to believe. You got to believe what he says. You got to believe what he told you. You got to believe what he promised. You have to make a choice. You have to believe it before you actually see it. What God said. And then, and, and, and it, now, along with that, not only am I going to follow you, Lord, it's not blind faith, it's eyes wide open. In fact, you follow Jesus, I promise you, your eyes are going to be wide open. You're going <laughs> you to see things that you've never seen before. You're going to be saying, I cannot believe that your eyes are seeing what you're seeing when you follow him. But also, not only do you need to follow, but you need to have faith. You need to believe that I, he says it like this, I will never, never leave you nor forsake you. Why do you think Jesus would tell you and I that? And this would be something that we needed to hear that in our ear for. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then the Lord goes on and he says, you know what? Even when you're faithless, I'm faithful. Grace covers what you and I. He becomes the team that does your push-ups for you. He becomes the one that runs your suicides for you and completes them all so you can be a part of his team. Oh, my God. And that was exactly what happened. So there are things that happen when you decide to follow Jesus. When, when Abraham decided, I'm going, he left his country, left his people, and left his father's house. 
took his, all of his possessions, took his wife, and took his nephew and left. But there's something else. You should write this down. When you decide to follow the Lord with faith, there's something that happens to you. You become generous. Grace makes you generous. And generosity is, is a prerequisite for the fullness of everything that you desire, need, and want. In fact, if you, if you look at Abraham's life and then after chapter 12, look in 13, and it says something very interesting about, about Abraham. In chapter 13, verse 1, so Abraham went up from Egypt to the negative he and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot with him. Now Abraham, check this out, was very rich. He was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And he went on his journey from the Negev as far as Bethel to a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. A place to a place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. I want you to note that he had stuff. It, his generosity is not as is, is demonstrative as you might think. But you know, God didn't ask him to take Lot. He just chose to take him. It is true that when people who follow the Lord, people who follow the Lord, generosity is one of the attributes that follows them. In fact, you see this in the, in the you see it in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 2, this is what it says, 244. It says this, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the, the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generosity or generous hearts. And they started praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, day by day, those who were being saved. When the church first started a couple of thousand years ago, saints, one of the distinguishing marks of them that was unbelievable by those around them, they understood that Christians were different because their economic mindset was different. In a certain sense, the church had an economic culture that was drastically different from anything others had experienced. People shared what they had, and they gave things away. They seemed to be set free from being trapped by their stuff. Wherever the life of the church, wherever the life of the church, of the early church is described, you see a pattern of incredible generosity. That is, that is many ways, in many ways to the outsider, it was unreasonable. To the outsider who saw how they were giving to each other, they could hardly believe it. People could look at this and think, we don't, we don't, we don't get this. Nobody, nobody gives money or stuff away like this. 
without expecting something in return. Nobody is this generous. The reason the followers of Jesus were so different is because fundamentally the message of Jesus was grace. Every other religious system is set upon morals and good works, so it made sense to try to get ahead as soon as much as possible. Get all you can. That, that was the attitude, even if it's at the expense of another. But the Lord comes along with his life, his lifestyle, and his message, and it's totally opposite. He sets you free because of grace. Radical generosity is only the result of God's grace. Nobody becomes generous. No one becomes a generous person through guilt. Nobody becomes generous through manipulation. Nobody becomes generous through coercion. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says this, make a note. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take any credit for this. It is a gift from God. Grace is what revolutionizes people's attitudes toward money and their possessions. It gives us a new relationship with our stuff. How many of you got stuff at home? Raise your hand, look around and close your eyes. <laughs> yeah, how many of y'all got stuff? Raise your hand if you got stuff. Anybody here got stuff? Don't lie, don't lie. <laughs> My wife and I, have you realized how much stuff you can accumulate over a period of time? I, we forget about how many thousands of trips we've taken from the door to the car to the car to the door from the door to the car and carrying something in our hand every time. Some of you could go into business. I venture to say if 10 of you took all your stuff and put it together, you could go into business and you could have the most incredible yard sale we've ever seen. I bet I'd find some stuff with some tags that tags have never been taken. Lord have mercy. Because you know when the sale is on, you can't get just one. It's amazing. Stuff is part of our lives. But grace gives us a new relationship to our stuff. If you haven't experienced the grace of God in your life, then money can be a really touchy subject. You get emotional about money. You get defensive about money. You get giddy when, <laughs> when you save a dollar coupon. You know, oh my God, I got a dollar coupon, right? But if, you have, if you've experienced the grace of God in your life, if God's grace has been experienced, if it's experiential for you, then, and, and you understand what it means to have your sins forgiven, Oh, by the way, you don't know what that is until the Lord has taken your sins and put them in your face to show you how ugly they really are. You don't, you don't get the privilege of relief until you feel the, the weight of conviction. And the weight of conviction is when God shows you your heart, your life, the pillage, the the line of people who've been destroyed because of you. 
The children have been neglected because of you. The wife has been left because of you. The husband has been cheated on because of you. The friend has been betrayed because of you. The money's been taken because of you. The people who don't believe in God or God's people because of you. When God shows you that, only then does our need for grace come before us. And only when a person, that's why the Bible says if you humble yourself, then God will give you grace. Why would you humble yourself? Because you realize if God paid me back for what I did, I would not exist. When grace comes, grace allows you to make peace with God and with yourself and with your stuff. People who have had grace can afford to be generous. Hmm. Then you begin to view money and possessions through a new set of lens. So my question for you today is, how has grace changed your attitude? Have you experienced God's mercy and grace? Mercy in that you, sh- you know you should have got a beating. Have, have you ever, do you remember the time when you got caught and you know you were going to get it? You did it, you did it, now you're going to get it. You remember that? You, you, you were even thinking, oh, Lord, don't let her come home. Let, don't let him come home. We used to say to my mama, oh, God, oh, mama, please don't tell, please don't tell daddy. Because we knew when she told him what was going to happen to us. And as soon as he came through the door, she didn't have to say one word. He just looked at her haggard face. And he looked at her because my dad's practice was walk through the door, no matter what he smells like. Walk through the door. Grab, grab, he called her baby girl. Grab her, grab my mama. Pick her up. Swing her around. Let her legs be swinging in the air. And set her down gently, bending her over backwards and laying a long slobbery one on her. And we would all say, we wouldn't dare say get a room. <laughs> well, if he looked at her face and she saw, he saw what her face looked like, and he, if it was haggard, he'd say something like this. He'd look at her, he'd look at us, we go, <laughs> he said, these boys been getting you, been driving, and she'd just drop her head. She said, Flynn Arthur, I was the oldest, Flynn Arthur, and then he called all of us, name by name, Flynn Arthur, David James, R- Richard Allen, Stephen Edward, Rodney Earl, get, get it, line up. My little brother, he would run every time. And, and he'd start with me. Oh, Lord. But there were times when I deserved it and I knew I was going to get it that he would give me grace. Hallelujah. I told you about my son coming in the room with oil all over his face. He looked like a greasy pig. He was from the top of his head all down his chest. His oil smelling like a bouquet. My wife said, "You've been in my oil. You've been in. You've been in. Boy, you've been in my oil." He said, "No." <laughs> and then so she she would she would she wouldn't do what modern day mamas grab him by the throat, then choke him out. No, no. She said she'd say, "Flynn." She'd tell him I call my name or Daddy. I said, what? You're not, you're not, I know that voice. Your, your son is in here lying. I said, what? Whoa, whoa, what? What? 
Because in our house, lying is a cardinal sin. Oh, you wish you was dead if you lied. Anyway, so I come in the room and I face my son and 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 I I, my, I put my wife, she's out and she, he, he's looking at me with grief <laughs> down his face. I said, you been in your mama's, you been in your mama's oil? No. I said, did you know what little boys get when they lie? He'd been listening to me preach. He said, it's like a light came on his face. He'd say, Grace. I had to get real smart, Chris. I had to get smart that time. I said, mm, grace only comes to those who repent. He went, oh, Jesus. <laughs> grace is amazing. It's a, it's, it is a fulfillment of everything we lack. But when you receive it, it does something to you, to your person. It causes you to be generous. That's why people who have never been forgiven don't have it in them to forgive others. Some of you are carrying burdens today. You have no business carrying that you should have forgiven. You can't because you have not experienced forgiveness yourself. When you realize how much you need it and you receive it, the, the, the joy of receiving grace Plant a seed that grows that allows us to extend the same thing towards somebody else. And so it is the most generous people are the people who have experienced the most grace. Mm. Because of all, all throughout the Bible, there is a theme that when somebody encounters the incredibly generous grace of God, it affects their own personal generosity. Instead of getting offensive or emotional over the idea of giving, they get energized by it because they, they found that what Jesus did for them and what he said is true, that it is really more blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. Now, some of us, we, we, we got stuck because we experience God's grace in our lives, and yet it doesn't seem to have affected our personal generosity. And I'm not here to make you feel guilty, but I do want you to know it might be because we haven't addressed some of the hurdles that really come up in your life that war against your generosity when it comes to money. So really quick. Oh, yeah, I got time. Real quick. Help me with these questions. Number one, have you settled the issue of ownership yet? And one of the things on this journey, you must decide. You got to decide. You got to settle this issue of who owns what. Think about it this way. Everything I own is on loan. Father, come on, talk to me, saints. One more, say, say it again, come on. This is the most fundamental basic teaching on money that you'll ever find in the Bible. We, we, if we don't accept this or agree with this, then we will never manage our resources the way the Bible describes. Listen to the Bible. Listen to it. 
The earth, Psalms 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. God says, I own it all. Everything I own is on loan. My house, my cars, my clothes, my bank accounts, my toy collections, my golf clubs, all of it is owned by God. And I was tested the other day when a, 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 a great friend of mine who lives in the same building and we become wonderful friends and he plays golf and, and he was playing with these excuse for golf clubs. By the way, if you ever see this, I, yeah, I said it, excuse for golf clubs. Anyway, so, and, and, um, and all of you that are joining us live streaming, I'm not talking about your golf clubs unless they need to be talked about. But anyway, and, and, and he, he says to me, he says, have you got a golf bag that I could use? I thought about it. He said, yeah, I've got one. So I, I went back there, got the golf bag, but I had to take the golf clubs, the old golf clubs, one of three sets that I had, Lord have mercy. I took that, that one out to give him the bag. So he took the bag and he put his golf clubs in and then somebody told him, said, man, I don't know why you're using these golf clubs. They don't match your swing. They don't match your strength. You got to get some stiff golf clubs. You got to get some golf clubs that can then do you can, do, can service you well so that the strength you got will be transferred and the ball will go and, and, and so he comes back to me he says you know you know do you, do you think you might you have a uh, you have a you have a set of golf clubs that you know I could use he said use and so I, I said yeah I do and uh, so I get these golf clubs. I pull the golf clubs out by the way there are golf set of golf clubs that I purchased Right before I had an accident, now you know when I had the accident, I purchased it right before them. So I had never played one golf game with them club. Where are they? Sitting in the closet where I bought them, where I stored them. I took them out. I put it. I took them in my living room. I turned them over. I, I shined them up, you know. And I'm about to. He's about to come get my golf clubs to use them. And the Holy Spirit said, "Now you know what, don't you?" Oh Jesus. So I didn't say anything. <laughs> he used the clubs. And he said, now look, he, he said, man, I can't believe how much better I play with these clubs. He said, what you want for them? And the Holy Spirit goes, hmm? <laughs> and I, I said, he said, what I owe you for them? Then I, I, I got ghetto on the second. I want nothing but love from you, baby. I want nothing but love from you, baby. <laughs> he said, no, 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 really, uh, really. Yeah, you know, what do you want for him? I said, man, they're yours. He said, you, are you for real? I said, yeah, man, yeah, really, they're, they're yours. Now, what is so bad about all this is if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he'll beat me. Now, what kind of craziness is this? You gonna beat me with the clubs? I oh, Lord, have mercy, Jesus, God, have mercy. I'm not exactly sure what that generosity is gonna bring, but it's gonna bring me something, I know. But when you have grace, it's easier to give. I wonder how you're doing with that. Is everything you own on loan? Check out James 1.17. Every good and, and every good gift and every perfect gift. Come on, what, what about it? What does it say? Comes what? 
from above, coming down from the what? The Father of lights, who, who, in whom there is no prejudice, no variableness. It's amazing. Thousands of years ago in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses gives a speech that cautions the people of Israel. This is what he says. Look, you need to check this out. You need, to be, you need to put this on set. Beware of this. Least you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who, come on, who does what? Who gives you the power to get wealth. Don't ever say, I've achieved my wealth on my own strength and energy. It was the Lord who gave you the power to be successful. Some of you, if you chart your life from now and go backwards 10 years, you would shock yourself at the way you used to live. On this journey where the Lord beckons us, generosity is actually required. So King David, he said it like this. First Chronicles 29. Some of you even remember, memorized this in the past. 29, First Chronicles 29, 12 through 14, wealth and honor come from you alone and you are the ruler, come on, of all men. Power and might are in your hand and it's at your discretion. People are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. And what do you have that's your own? I'd like to say to you that the answer, that the correct answer to that question is nothing. Not even your life. So do you still view yourself as the owner of your stuff or do you recognize that God is truly the owner of all? And he has entrusted it into your hands to manage it. And the last, there are four of them. I'm going to share these two points with you this morning. The second one is, are you practicing contentment? This, this is a subtle thing. Because the culture we live in does everything to make you and I discontent. Make no mistake about it, contentment is a practice. Our culture is constantly making us aware that all we don't have, somehow we need. But the practice of contentment is to look at what we do have and choose to be thankful for what we've been, for what we've been given rather than chasing what we don't have. Check this out. Answer the question for me. Who is more content? The person with one million dollars or the person with four kids? The person with four kids, cause, because he doesn't want any more. <laughs> no, we know you. Well, them crumb snatches, Lord Jesus. We go on. <laughs> Do you know who needs to, to practice contentment? You know who needs to, to practice contentment. Well, it, it, the people in the tax bracket right above us. 
They're the ones who need to practice contentment, not us. But, 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 but here's what the apostle writes. The apostle Paul, when he writes to Timothy, this is what he says about contentment. Check this out. But godliness and contentment, godly, godliness with contentment. What a statement. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. This is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. That's an incredible perspective on true wealth. But the problem is that in our culture, it's, diff it's very difficult to practice contentment. Because in our culture, our culture does, does such a great job making us aware of all the things we could have and should have. How many times have you suddenly needed something and 10 minutes earlier, you didn't even know it existed? Our mindset can, can shift quickly from desire to need because, let's be honest, shift happens. I can't prove this. I can't prove it quantitatively. I can't prove it quantitatively, but but I know this is true. The more you give away, the more you will enjoy what you have. Our mindset can shift quickly from desire to need. So we 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 got to think differently. We know that when we give things away, we tend to enjoy what's left. If you give God the tenth, for example, you will enjoy the ninety percent. You'll enjoy the 90% that you keep 10% more. You'll also discover that God can do more with 90% than he can do with 100%. Those of you that have discovered the power of tithing, you know this to be true. If you double your tithe, you will enjoy the 80%. You keep 20% more. One of the one of the life goals of, of many of God's people is to live off the tenth and give away the ninety. And that's actually what J.C. Penney did. It's kind of an amazing thing, though. It's, a, it's an interesting journey. A different mindset about what we own and about how good and effective the grace of God really is in our lives. Most of us spend most of our lives accumulating the wrong things. Things that have no eternal value. Things that are fun. I don't know about you, but there's something about me that feels better if I buy two of the suits on sale than one. And you're laughing. She's over there laughing. She's laughing. I can't believe. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so let me give you something as we close. Don't accumulate possessions accumulate experiences the story of the rich one young ruler is one of the saddest stories in the bible because he had so much he had everything money could buy he could he he could leverage his resources his network his energy for the kingdom but instead of for kingdom causes he spends it all on himself and when the Lord says, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow me, if you want the adventure of a lifetime, sell what you have and give it to the poor, and then you can follow me. I just don't know anybody in 
that's recorded that Jesus gave that kind of deal to. To have a personal tutelage, business tutelage by Jesus himself. To be discipled by the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. To know what to do with your, with your, with your gifting and your creativity. What did he turn down? Most of us feel bad about him. Because the Bible says he had great riches and he turned and walked away. We feel bad about we, we feel bad about what Jesus asked him to do. The reality is we should be we should be saying, oh my God, you idiot, turn around. Sell it all. The one who created it all is the one who's telling you to sell it all. He's already set his rule and his principle in the earth. Give and it, come on, it shall be, come on. Give it to you, how? And running over. 30, 60, come on, 100 fold. Are you serious? And so what I'm, I'm proposing to you today is that on this journey together that we let God deal with us about our attitude about the stuff we possess. Jesus put some value on it when he said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Lord have mercy. So it reveals that our greatest assets become our greatest liability if we don't use it for the purpose of God. Please do not hear something opposite. Some, and most people will say, well, what if and what if and what if it rains and what if it pours and what if the stock market crashes and what if the economy goes bust and what if and what if and what if. But the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus who asked us is in control of these things. So many of us on this journey, as the Lord challenges you about this area, what you feel about what you've been given, you might need to remember what he's done for you. We used to sing an old song. Say, oh, 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 what he's done for me. Oh, 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 what he's done for me. Oh, 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 what he's done for me. I never shall forget what he's done for me. We might want to remember. Because in God, God, in God, he has an upside-down economy. Our logic is backwards. You ultimately lose whatever you keep, and you ultimately keep whatever you lose for the cause of Christ. So I hope you will deal with this issue of commitment, this, this issue of contentment. And I hope that you will talk to the Lord about the, the issue of ownership. For you to take those two steps are huge. 
when you realize that nothing on your body right now you own, and if God asks for it, if some, you know what, this thing gets me every time I go that same way to work, I go right by that freeway, you know what I'm saying? People are standing with them signs. I stopped trying to judge whether the expression on their face was sincere or not. Because those guys standing out there, you have no idea what they've been through. And the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, he said sometimes I station my angels out there. And you don't know who you're giving to. One of the ways you want to enact the generosity of God is not just become generous to those who are in need. When you become generous to those who are in need, when you meet the need, the Lord, the Bible says, you, if you give to the poor, you actually, what? Lend to the Lord? Man, I, st- I stopped looking at them faces. This past Saturday, this yesterday, I'm, I'm getting onto the freeway and the guy's standing there and I see him and I'm coming to a halt. So I, I don't know what you do, so don't tell nobody, but I put some dollar bills in the middle of it. <laughs> so I ain't got to be, you know, getting all down. You know, yeah, so, so, so I put them in there. I raised up, the, the, raise up the, the, the center. I reached down there and I got some dollars and I got one or two to get some more and I got some more. He get some more and I got some more. And I closed it. By the time I stopped, the guy was walking by, so I rolled the window down, and he was on his way. And he saw that window go down. He went back there, and he ran back to that car. And if you would have seen the light in his eyes, he said, oh, man, God bless you, man. Man, God bless you, man. God bless you, man. And he took the money, and when he stretched out his hand, he said, I just got out the hospital. You could see the hospital tag. He said, oh, man. I thank you, man. Man, my kidneys, man, but you know what, man? Thank you. Didn't smell no al- alcohol. Would have made a difference, but you know what? I thought about it. You don't know who you're giving to. One of the things I'd like you to pray about this morning as we bring this to a close is your own personal generosity based on God's grace. Some of you who maybe have been just a little bit slow in dealing with your own personal finances and dealing with the own economy of the kingdom in your life, you might want to rethink it. Because God doesn't play with money. He's serious about it. How else can he show you how awesome he is? I know, he can heal your body. Yes, he can. Yes, he did forgive you of your sins. When God touches your finances, everybody knows it. Say amen if you don't understand what I'm talking about. You be walking different, you know. You know, when God touches your money, man, you just like, you know, hey, hey, hey. You walk different, you look different, you talk different. Come on, let's go to dinner. I'm paying, right? So on this journey that the Lord has us on, this two-year journey that he says, follow me, that he says, have faith when you follow me. And now he says, I want you to be generous. Let my grace release generosity in your life. In fact, I want you to bow your heads right there because if you're not generous, I promise you, it's because something in the arena of sin you got to deal with. 
If you have problems when people start talking about money, you know, you just go berserk inside and you think of all the crooked preachers and think of all the crooked saints and all the schemes and songs and, the, you know, selling holy water and, you know, <laughs> ridiculous. And which of those things have nothing to do with you and Jesus? And I want you to talk to the Lord about that because if, if, you, if you can't be, this is one of the characteristics of a, of a disciple of Jesus Christ. They are generous because they're no longer afraid. My Father, I'm asking you today for this people whom you love and I love that you would allow that generosity to come upon them and for them to realize and remember what you have done, what you have forgiven, how far they've come. Lord, I pray that you would deal with anything in their hearts that displeases you. Let that grace a forgiveness be upon them for those who confess and repent. Repent for the things that we've said, for the lack of the things we have not done. Repent for the way we've treated people. Repent for the way that we've treated you. Repent for what was done in secret, but they felt like no one saw, but you saw, Lord, and they carry the guilt of it, and it, it squelches their generosity. Those, Lord, who have been in demon prison for years because they will not forgive those who have injured them. For you said, if we do not forgive each other from the heart, then neither would you forgive us. Let your generous generosity come upon us. Every let your grace be upon every person today who hears with a hearing ear. For this, I praise your holy name. I give you thanks for that powerful transformation. Let it be so in the name of Jesus Christ. My Lord.